Hello and welcome to the D1 Sports Medicine Podcast. My name is Ryan Hewling and I'm a physical therapist with D1 Sports Medicine in Cairoville, Tennessee. With baseball season upon us, we wanted to sit down and talk about potential ways to help with injury prevention and throwing athlete, as well as a few more specifics pertaining to UCL reconstruction, or as more famously known to most, Tommy John surgery. Today our guest is Dr. Marcus Biggers of Ortho One in Cairoville, Tennessee. In today's discussion, we hope to reach not only those in the world of orthopedics and physical therapy, for the general public as well, about current trends and topics in the world of sports medicine. Without much further ado, let's get started. All right. Hello and welcome to another edition of the D1 Sports Medicine Podcast. Today we are joined by Dr. Marcus Biggers of Ortho One. Um, before we get started, Dr. Biggers, you want to tell a little about yourself and kind of uh, your path to here? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm uh, Mark Biggers. I'm an orthopedic surgeon uh, here in the Memphis area and specialize in sports medicine. Uh, so uh, take care of a lot of athletes and um, did my, my sports medicine fellowship training over in Birmingham, Alabama, at, uh, Andrew Sports Medicine Institute. Very good. How long were you there? Uh, was over in Birmingham for a year. Um, very good. Very good. While you were there, did you get a chance to do any research stuff with him as well at the research institute? Yeah, yeah. So ASMI or American Sports Medicine Institute is uh, – you know, it's kind of the, uh, their educational um, kind of uh, foundation or, or the group that they do a lot of their research through. And, and part of our obligation as being one of their clinical fellows is that we also commit to doing some, uh, some research to, to help advance, you know, the science um, in the sports medicine field. So um, part of my research was more focusing on ACL uh, injuries and, uh, and ACL reconstruction, looking at the isometry and uh, kind of the way that, that we can uh, better that procedure, but uh, also helped with some of my other fellows uh, who were doing some uh, research in the Tommy John surgery and um, some of the, the newer techniques, uh, kind of revisiting uh, UCL repair versus just uh, strictly reconstruction. Um, I got you. Okay, very good. Um, glad you mentioned that. Obviously, spring is coming around. Baseball season is coming upon us. Um, uh, today, we're going to focus a little more on just that, kind of Tommy John surgery, UCL involvement, um, kind of contributing factors, um, both surgical techniques and hopefully a little of the rehabilitative side as well. Um, kind of jumping right into it, what, from a personal standpoint, what do you think has kind of contributed to the spike in the numbers of uh, UCL reconstructions and injuries in youth? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's pretty clear cut, you know, particularly from the ASMI research, you know, when uh, Dr. Andrews, who's kind of one of the uh, pioneers in the field of UCL reconstruction, you know, when he started going back and looking at his data originally, you know, in the, the early nineties, you know, his, the percentage of youth athletes that were getting a UCL reconstruction was like seven, 8%. It was very, very small. And then when they look back, you know, just, uh, you know, 10 years ago, kind of the late two thousands that had gotten up to be in 25%. Uh, and I, I think what's changed between, you know, back when I was a kid playing baseball and now is just the kids are playing it year round. You know, there's, they're playing for multiple teams. They're, they're not giving their arms a break. They're, they're pitching, you know, for radar guns. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's overuse and it's, uh, you know, it's just not giving their, their arms a break. And, um, you know, I, I think that's most certainly what's contributing to the, the increased incidents. And, and certainly it's there. There's no doubt that the, you know, it's, it's essentially becoming an epidemic of UCL injuries in our youth, youth athletes. 
Yeah, and I think, like you said, there's, there's no longer playing baseball one season, football one season, soccer one season. It's, hey, I play baseball nine, ten months out of the year, um, and I play the same position. You know, I pitch, yeah. all I do is pitch, and I pitch over and over and over again, um, which is uh, definitely not the way to go. Um, do you feel like uh, we've done enough? I, I know there's a lot of research with Andrews on pitch count and stuff that's come out in the past five, six years that they've really tried to – get away from the innings pitched and get more to pitch count. Um, sure. Do you feel like we've done enough with that to uh, kind of educate not only players, but parents and coaches to um, prevent it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think they've, they've certainly done a lot of, uh, you know, biomechanical research and, and, you know, the data's out there and it's just kind of helping spread the data. Um, I think major league baseball's, you know, made some strides in the past few years, you know, they've made their pitch smart campaign. Uh, you can, you know, anybody can get on their website and look and, you know, there's um, mom and dad can go and, and log in and see, you know, my kid's 11 years old and this is how many pitches. If he pitches this many, you know, throws this many pitches, he needs to take this many days off. Um, and, and so there's now some good resources. It's just helping spread the word, you know, stop, stop sports injuries is another good resource for parents and, um, and, you know, people that are involved in taking care of these athletes to, um, you know, help, help spread the word. But, um, you know, a few years back, the Yankees team doc, he, he did a study and he looked at uh, kind of the misperception of the general public in terms of Tommy John surgery and found that, you know, uh, a lot of people, a lot of kids, a lot of athletes think that a Tommy John surgery is going to make them throw faster, throw harder, be a better athlete. You know, that you, know, you don't necessarily have to have an injury to have that procedure performed. And uh, you know, certainly we have a long ways to go to help convince them otherwise that you know you don't have the surgery unless you have an injury and um and it's not something we expect to you know improve your speed or accuracy um, yeah that's something we see on our side and it, that's just crazy to me it blows my mind people you know misconception that hey you know Strasburg comes back throwing harder because he had this surgery it's like no he came back harder because he's been nothing but rehabbing for a year straight right. um, not only shoulder work but core you know hitting everything to get him back to that point um, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that people don't see and, and don't realize um, to what gets them to that point. Um, um, so along that, we touched on kind of pitch um, count. Do you feel, I know there's now more research kind of leaning, getting away from, hey, a certain type of pitch is more likely to get you injured. Um, what's kind of your personal stance on that? Do you feel like, uh, you know, curveballs, there's a certain magic age where you should start throwing them, or is it more technique and uh, ability of the athlete? Yeah, I mean, I think if your mechanics are on, then it's probably safe. You know, the you know, they they did at ASMI, they did some uh, some biomechanical studies where where they got the guys in the throwing lab and, and looked at it. They were college throwers, but you know, they looked in the the stress through the elbow for a fastball was the same uh, for throwing a curveball. Now, a changeup was was a much safer pitch uh, than both of those. Um, but that, that's all if you have proper mechanics and when you're a growing kid and you're, um, you know, just learning how to throw the pitch, you're, you're probably, your mechanics aren't, aren't going to be there. And so, um, Dr. Andrews has always kind of been of the, the thought process that if you can't, you know, if you're not shaving, you probably shouldn't be, be throwing a curveball. And, and so around 14 years of age, or, or if the kid's a little bit more mature and, and shaving at an earlier age, but, but that's kind of been our rule of thumb as to when the guide parents into letting their kids starting to throw throw curveballs yeah and, and you know kind of switching gears a little bit to earlier i think one of the worst things you can do is have a radar gun on a kid 
um, trying to a out throw his teammate or his friend and show how hard he can throw versus really focusing on the fundamentals, changing, changing location, changing speed, um, and, and just getting up and playing catch versus trying to overpower a kid when you're 12, 13, 14 years old. Yeah. Um, now, so kind of a, from a preventive standpoint, now let's, let's switch into, you know, kid 14, 15, 16 comes kind of into your office or even, you know, high school age comes into your office, uh, medial elbow pain, you suspect it is potential UCL involvement. Kind of walk me through if you're a patient, kind of where you go from there. Yeah. I mean, I think most of the diagnosis comes from the history on these kids, you know, that you'll start having a little bit of loss of control, loss of velocity, you know, something's just not feeling quite right. Um, you know, having some achiness in their elbow um, and, you know, the tenderness over their, their UCL on exam, you know, uh, moving valgus stress test is usually my kind of go-to physical exam maneuver. But to be honest with you, it's, you know, most of the diagnosis comes from just listening to the kid talk. Um, right. All right. Once you kind of gotten there, you touched a little on, um, you said when you were a fellow kind of approaching, re-approaching re straight reconstruction versus repair. Um, kind of where, I know last kind of research and, and whatnot, I did pretty much everything pointed to straight reconstruction. The repair yeah. wasn't, wasn't as advantageous, nor was conservative if you're looking to get back to overhead. Has that changed at all, or is that still pretty much the gold standard? Well, I mean, I think there's new things out there, you know, as some of the new biologics come along, the PRP and stem cells, you know, I think for some of the partial thickness tears, you know, there's been some evidence to support um, trial, a trial of that. Uh, in terms of, you know, just primary repair, you know, originally when Dr. Job and Dr. Andrews were starting to do these procedures, they were doing these on professional athletes, people that have been throwing for many, many years, and it was more of an attritional overuse over time and worn out the ligament. And so if you go and try to repair a worn out ligament, that just doesn't work. And they found that out the hard way. And so they went to start reconstructing them. Now, there's, there's kind of a different subset of patients, and particularly as the rise of youth athletes, you know, the injuries uh, that we're seeing in our younger athletes, you know, all of them hadn't progressed to the same deterioration of their UCL. And so sometimes they'll have a one throw, just snap, fill it, pop, and tore, you know, and have a full tear. Uh, but really the quality of their ligament is still quite good. So in those patients, and we're still learning, but um, the thought process is, well, if they have good healthy tissue that maybe we just need to, we can just, with a new technology, repair that uh, healthy ligament back down the bone and get a quicker recovery. You know, people, instead of having a one-year recovery, you know, get back to throwing within six months. Again, not a, not a surgery for everybody, not somebody, something that you're going to see in your major league pitchers that have been thrown forever, but, um, but maybe a viable option to get athletes back a little bit quicker, uh, particularly if they have a good, healthy ligament at the time of surgery. Very good. Um, uh, touching a little bit on kind of surgical approach, um, those who are, are familiar, kind of the docking technique, figure of eight, kind of when you do yours, what, what approach do you take more with it? You know, I, I'm kind of a, you know, again, an Andrew's disciple and uh, he found a way to make it work and reproducible. And, and so I've done his technique, uh, namely because that's the way I was trained to do it. Uh, I, I think the studies will show that, um, you know, Dr. Job's original technique was to take down the flexor pronator mass in order to do the procedure. And Dr. Andrews modified that by just elevating it off the ligament instead of taking it down. Now, as newer implants and technologies have come about, you know, some people uh, are now just splitting the muscle um, 
and um, and able to have good results and good outcomes. And you know, I think uh, I think they're both very effective. Um, certainly, the the research has shown them uh, to have about equivalent results. You know, eighty to ninety percent of return to sport at the same level. And um, yeah, I think it's mostly just personal preference at this point. Very good. Do you do many uh, transposition on our transpositions when you do yours, or is it kind of client dependent? Yeah, well, no, uh, you know, in order to really be able to, for the figure of eight technique, um, you know, uh, in order to really be able to get the adequate, uh, you know, your adequate exposure and approach, you really have to expose a lot of that ulnar nerve and, uh, and by doing so, end up destabilizing it. And so, uh, essentially, 100% of the time, I'll, I'll transpose it. And interestingly enough, you know, when uh, Dr. Job was originally doing this procedure, he did not transpose them. And that was one of his biggest complications was having some ulnar nerve, uh, you know, paresthesias and, and symptoms. Um, in the docking technique and some of these other areas where you're not, where you're not having to do as much of an exposure and you're not destabilizing the, the ulnar nerve and not having to drill as, um, you know, drill a tunnel right there by the nerve, um, then, then I think those patients or those, those doctors probably are not transposing on every procedure. So again, I think it's going to be a technique specific, um, but people that are using Dr. Andrews technique are going to be transposing it every time. Very good. Very good. As far as um, your time frame, when you have a patient, what do you tell them for a, I guess, return to throw um, and then B return to sport? Um, yeah. You know, so uh, just, uh, I think a lot of determining how you approach them is kind of determining where you are in the season, whether you kind of rest them and get them back in an interval throwing program and, and you, you know, kind of, um, but I, I think once you've gotten the diagnosis that the kid can't compete, they've got, you know, they fail conservative treatment and you've, you know, uh, indicated them for surgery, then, you know, that talk, you know, you're looking at uh, doing some plyometrics in, in the therapy, uh, you know, around 14 weeks or so, uh, you know, but really looking back to getting to, you know, pitching um, at a year, you know, it's a 12 month recovery process. And, um, and, you know, it takes that long to, to get there. You know, I think the, more recent stuff, looking at the professional leaguers, you know, it's, you know, more 16 to 18 months um, at that level. So it takes, right. it, it, it takes a while. Yeah. Not just getting back, but being yourself, um, you know, it's the biggest complaint. People may be back, but they don't feel quote unquote themselves for maybe a season or two after they have a surgery. Sure. Um, back to, back to previous form. Um, uh, as far as kind of any common misconceptions, uh, anything, you want to touch on as far as from a patient or a therapist? I know we talked about time frame and whatnot um, and thinking you can throw harder after. Is there anything else that you kind of caution a patient with of, hey, you may have heard this, but, uh, you know, kind of set the record straight with them? Uh, you know, the the old philosophy of, you know, our dads and, you know, the older generation, no pain, no gain, you know, that does not hold true uh, in elbows and, and you know, and kids, you know, I would just try to emphasize to parents and kids, you know, if your elbow is hurting you, then, then we need to, you know, you need some rest and take time off. You know, you shouldn't be popping Advil, you know, 30 minutes before the game and trying to go out and pitch. Um, if your elbow is hurting you, you need to rest it. I mean, very good. Very good. Um, kind of getting into the rehabilitative process. Is there anything from your side that uh, if you had the audience of kind of PTs or whatnot that you'd like to either praise or, or caution against during the rehabilitative process? Uh, 
don't forget about the shoulder. You know, uh, I think a lot of times, you know, you have an elbow injury, we get all focused on rehabbing the elbow. And, and I think more times than not, whenever we're seeing issues with kids when they're coming back from a Tommy John surgery, you know, they're, they're having these uh, more issues with their shoulder. And it's just because they've, they've been focused in on their elbow and kind of neglecting to keep their shoulder healthy. And so, um, yeah, I think just kind of maintaining your thrower stand exercises and, uh, and, and kind of trying to keep your shoulder in shape while you're, while you're still, you know, recouping and rehabbing your elbow as well. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and, you know, even to the point where some that I've had, I think that was the original problem is their shoulder had underlying issue that just manifested in the elbow. And that was what went first. Um, yeah. and if you don't fix the original problem, you end up, Hey, the elbow is good. Now we got to go back in for shoulder, shoulder problems on the road. Um, completely agree. Um, see any questions for kind of the PT realm from the rehab process, anything that, uh, we do that, that you would, uh, question on uh, any weighted balls, any, you know, any kind of, um, approaches from the rehab process. Uh, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot of experience with the weighted balls. I, I, I do kind of just anecdotally, um, uh, recall you know when when that fad kind of started coming to coming to be a few years back uh, seeing a lot of kids that were doing weighted ball programs coming in with with torn ulnar collateral ligaments so i'm a little weird, leery of it myself uh but um but i don't have any hard fast evidence to to negate it um uh, i'm kind of saying go ahead i'm sorry but I was just going to say, I, I think, uh, you know, having a good open communication between between the therapist and, you know, and the surgeon is, is always important. And, um, it's always, I think, in the patient's best, best interest when, you know, um, you know, when you can pick up the phone and, uh, you know, when something's going awry. It's not then it's not uncommon where you kind of have these peaks and troughs in the recovery process um, and get a little sore when you're going through your throwing program. And I, I think having everybody on the same page and uh, helping kind of reassure the patients. They're always helpful as well. Yeah, I'm with you. A line of communication is uh, is something that is vital, but then also I feel like too many PTs kind of right out of school are kind of nervous about, you know, they're afraid to call the doc and, and you know, give bad news because um, they don't get jumped on. But, uh, you know, being confident that, hey, it's, it's in the best interest of the patient and, and to get uh, the information related as fast as possible. Um, let's see, as far as touching on the weighted balls a little more, that's something I don't have a ton of experience with, you know, outside of your plyotol, stuff like that for general shoulder conditioning. Um, you know, Mike Reynolds is some of those guys that, you know, do a lot in the overhead athlete. Um, some of the more recent stuff that I've seen with him is it's good in certain realms if they're biomechanically sound, um, and they're not injured. And then coming back from injury, something like UCL, you know, looking at 18 months to two years on the road before you really get back to trying to uh, get to doing that, that you may be putting too much stress too soon. Yeah. Um, very good. Uh, appreciate you joining us today. Is there anything else you want to touch on or uh, kind of talk on as far as the surgical approach goes or the condition itself? Yeah, I, I think, you know, just uh, help spread the word to, to mom and dad and, and the kids, you know, it's just uh, – don't don't pitch through pain and uh, and you got to take a break. You can't you can't play the same sport year round. And um, you know, again, I think those resources, uh, whether it be the MLB's Pitch Smart campaign or Dr. Andrews and uh, some of the other folks with the Stop Sports Injuries, but those are excellent resources for um, 
you know, for our patients to have and, uh, and, and kind of get current uh, guidelines and recommendations from. So, um, very good. Yeah. And, and I, I came up in the age two playing, you know, I'm sure like you were the best kid on the team through the most innings and because you wanted to win, he'd throw Friday, turn around, throw Sunday, Monday, something like that. And I think that's part of why we're here um, is just getting educated to both coaches and parents to, hey, we're doing a disservice to our youth, uh, you know, trying to win at 12 years old. That's not what it's about. Um, yeah. Play the game, learn the fundamentals, and uh, worry about winning down the road. Absolutely. All right. Well, Dr. Bears, I appreciate your time. Yeah, and, thanks uh, for having me. And look forward to doing it again some other time. All right. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. If anybody has any questions for us about today's podcast, please feel free to contact me in my email. That is ryan.hewling at d1sportstraining.com, R-Y-A-N dot H-U-L-I-N-G at d1sportstraining.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at d1sportsmedicine and Twitter as well at d1sportsmedicine without the E. Until next time, take care.